My name is Joe. I have the privilege of opening the word with you this morning. Hey, what great worship, huh? Wow. Is, he is, right? He is. Anything, everything that we need to live uh, a godly life, a life that is deeply satisfying for ourselves is found in him alone. No one else. Uh, we have every reason to be together and just celebrate like crazy because of who Christ is, what he's done for us, right? All right. The answer to that is yes. All right. Good. Um, I'm going to be with you in uh, the Gospel of Luke in chapter 11 and beginning at verse uh, 30. Oh, is that Joe preaching on your phone right there? Let me see that. <laughs> well, at least it was this church, right? Yeah. Oh, that's good. That's good. All right. Uh, where were we? So, to, yeah, we're at Pleasant Valley. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. I need all sorts of help over here. Maybe we should pray. How about that? Lord, thank you uh, for um, just being you. Uh, thank you, Father, for sending your son Jesus to um, redeem people, build a kingdom, open the scroll be the lion of Judah, being all that we need. And so, Father, I pray that uh, this morning we would both be attentive to your word and your spirit, and also, Father, um, that our hearts would just open wide to you, um, that we would allow your word to do its surgery, to lay us bare uh, before the one to whom we must give an account. Lord, for some of us, the word needs to be a hammer just to break up some hardness, Lord. Um, needs to be a sword, Lord, just to pierce us. Maybe it needs to be light for our path. Whatever it is, God, I pray that um, our time in the word would be meaningful, uh, productive for your glory and for our growth. In the name of Jesus, amen. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, it says, God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. And so it's possible for us to have the light, the invitation light, walk in the light for a little while, and it's possible for us to have fellowship with him and then think we're walking in the light, but actually not. It happens. N not to anybody in the churches in Winona, but it happens to those other dead gum churches out there, right? Not to us. Um, and so this, this theme of light is very much on the mind of Luke, our author, as he relates to us narrative after narrative of the life of Jesus. And so the theme again this morning is going to be this whole idea of Jesus being uh, the light of the world. But it's in a very, very kind of oh, wild situation and narrative that we're going to get into. And we'll, we're going to um, be challenged, I think. Um, we're going to have some, I think the Spirit probably will have some things for you like he has for me, very specific application uh, from this. Um, as awkward as the narrative gets, 
um, I think it's really good for our soul. So hopefully you'll buckle in and, and allow us to accelerate here a little bit and allow the word uh, to have its, uh, do its work in us. And so um, the first verse in the v- verse 37, we're, we're just turning off our phones here in the front. All right, that's okay. That's got it, right? We got it. We're good. We're good. All right, here, here's the deal. So in verse 37, Jesus, it, Luke says, while he was teaching, a Pharisee invited him into his house for dinner, for a meal, okay? So we need to know the context of this, while he was teaching. So Jesus was just teaching something, while he's teaching, someone comes up to him in, in the middle of his teaching and invites him to, to come to his house for dinner. And it happens to be a Pharisee, okay? I want us to take a look at what Jesus was just saying when this man came and interrupted him and, and, and then Jesus followed him and, and actually went and had dinner with him. And what a dinner it was. And so while he was speaking, a Pharisee asked him to dine with him. So he went and reclined at table. Right before that, what was Jesus speaking about? Verse 33 in Luke 11, no one after lighting a lamp puts it in a cellar or under a basket, but on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. But when it is bad, your body is full of darkness. If you, if you underline in your Bible, I want you to underline the next verse. Verse 35, I'm going to be returning to it because it's the lens through which to fully understand the narrative that we're going to work on next. Verse 35 says this, Therefore, be careful lest the light in you be darkness. Somewhat of a little confusing, complex text, wouldn't you say? Be careful that if the light is in, that the light in you is darkness. And, and Jesus would oftentimes have curious statements like this just to kind of get our attention, rightfully so. Like, what, what does that even mean? That the light in me can be dark? That just doesn't seem possible. Um, then verse 36 says this, if then your whole body is full of light, having no part dark, it will be wholly bright as when a lamp with its rays gives you light. Okay? And so this is what he's teaching. Verse 37 says, while he was speaking, a Pharisee asked him to dine with him, okay? And so he went and reclined at table with him. I want us, before we get in then to, to the dinner conversation, we're gonna zoom back not only to verse 35. I want you to remember verse 35, okay? Therefore, be careful lest the light in you be darkness. Key passage. If you want to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ, if, if you're gonna let him have his sanctifying work in you, his, his spiritual growth his, to, to become emotionally and relationally and spiritually mature, you have to be careful of something because sometimes the light in you becomes darkness. And that's really what he wants not only the Pharisee and the experts in the law to hear at this dinner table, but he especially wants those apostles who would have followed him in there. They wouldn't have reclined a table, but this room would have been filled with people. It says in our text that there were thousands of people pressing Jesus. 
to hear what he had to say, to be healed by him, to be released of, of demonic um, infor, uh, impact, to be um, healed from disease, to have your eye, your sight return and your ears so that they can hear again. All sorts of things are going on. Thousands of people are crowding while he is speaking. A Pharisee says, come in and recline at table. So we want to zoom out to verse 35. Got that right? If I, I will say that whole thing over. Are you with me this morning? All right. Even in the back row, I know, I know, the back row, I sit there too sometimes. (laughs) Therefore, be careful. These are the words of Jesus, so they're not the words of Joe, (laughs) right? Be careful, lest the light in you be dark. It's pretty serious. Now, we're going to zoom back to chapter 5 and an earthquake earthquake moment for the apostle Peter. He'd been fishing all night, didn't catch anything, came in, working on his net, tired, cleaning the net, getting it ready. They would go home, go to bed, and then come back out and try to fish the next night. Jesus comes up, and a whole bunch of people are coming. Jesus needs a place to stand or sit so he can teach. Uses Peter's boat. He's done teaching. He tells Peter, hey, get back in the boat, go out and fish, and you're going to catch some fish. And Peter's like, you got to be kidding me, carpenter, Right? But because you said it, I will do it. So he goes out there, right? The catch of fish is so much, they have to call over their partner, uh, business partner boat over. They fill that, that, the fish fill that boat as well. It's a crazy situation. It shouldn't have happened. It was a miracle. And, and, and Peter knows it. Peter, it says that he comes into shore and he kneels at the knees of Jesus with his head bowed, and he says, get away from me, I am a sinful man. And Jesus lifts up his chin, looks him in the eye and says, you don't need to worry about this. Just come and follow me. I'm going to teach you how to win souls for me. I'm going to teach you how to catch people. Just follow me. And so as we zoom, uh, as we think about the lens through which to understand the the gospel of Luke, uh, this chapter 5, verse 10, when Jesus says, come and follow me, and I am going to teach you how to fish for people, that's the lens through which we should study and apply and understand the gospel of Luke. This is what Jesus is wanting to do in the life of the people that were going to follow him. I want to teach you how to catch people. I want to teach you how to be mature emotionally and relationally around people. I want to teach you how to be someone that is such a light and such a bright person in someone else's life that that they want to come and they want to know what in the heck makes you tick. I want to to make you contagious with my light in your life. But you're going to have to follow me and you're going to have to learn. And we're going to learn some really, uh, we're going to learn some lessons about how to do it and we're going to learn some lessons about this is exactly what you don't do. If you want to be a person that has an impact for the kingdom of God, you're going to have to learn. Because if you follow me, I'm going to teach you how to catch people, Peter. I'm going to teach you, whatever your name is, I'm going to teach you today how to catch people, right? This this is Jesus' invitation. But, now we're going to zoom back closer to Luke chapter 11, but be careful, because sometimes the light in you is dark, 
And we know this after, when we start thinking about it, so true. I'm able to proclaim all all sorts of things out here, but inside I am full of stuff that is not being driven by Jesus. Can I have an amen in the room? Or am I the only one? Just the pastor, right? This this can be me in in a heartbeat. The light in me can be dark really quickly. I got to stay vigilant. I need to continue to have an intensity and an intentionality about me personally following, acknowledging Jesus Christ, abiding in him all the time, uh, memorizing his word, abiding in his word, and his word abiding in me, him abiding in me, and I abide. I got to remain with him, and I got to be intentional about that. Otherwise, the light in me, I know, pretty quickly gets dark. Anybody else relate? Or you all just got this figured out and we can just go on home. Right? And so while he is saying these things, he's invited by the Pharisee into his house and they recline at table. And verse 38 says, the Pharisee was astonished that Jesus did not wash up before dinner. The word astonished means he was appalled. He was disgusted. And have you ever had anybody that you've been disgusted with? And have you ever looked in the mirror what you look like when you're disgusted? (laughs) Jesus knew disgust. He knew how astonished and how abhorred this person was about him. That he did not wash up. He did not do what the oral law required in the Pharisees. Wash in a certain way before you eat. And Jesus didn't do that. You would think that as a, as a guest at his house, then the conversation would go something like, oh, dude, I'm sorry. It's been a busy day. Just forgot all about that part, you know. Um, next time I'll remember my mask. I'll remember to wash my hand, right? Mm-hmm. Next time, right? You know, I'll, I'll do it right. But, you know, he doesn't do that. <laughs> he does not go there. No. And so what he does is he's going to introduce six woes Three of them go to the Pharisees and three go to the experts in the word of God or the law. Three woes. Woe to you. Six times. Okay? Now, the apostles are there watching this. Can you think just how uncomfortable this is? Invited into the Pharisees had an incredible amount of power in the first century. They, They were, everybody wanted to be a Pharisee. It was a group of about five or 6,000 men who were steeped in their understanding of Scripture, who had developed an oral law and a tradition that they wanted everyone to follow in Israel. But it was, it was about 6,000 uh, people. They were typically wealthy, but they were lay people. But they really knew the Word, and they really studied the Word, and they really had uh, life figured out the way that they th- thought that life should be. Okay, now Jesus is in their presence, and their tick, or this host is tick because Jesus doesn't wash up appropriately according to their traditions, okay? And so you would think Jesus would apologize, go over and, you know, wash up and, and make it right, but he doesn't. So he uh, says, verse 39, here we go. Are you guys ready? This is when you, pr- if you haven't buckled yet, this is when we need to buckle. And remember, Verse 35, anybody remember what verse 35 says? Therefore, be careful, lest the light in you is dark. Okay? It's so important for us to understand that. 
And that he's not just going to be talking to the Pharisees. He's not going to just be talking to the experts in the law. He's talking to his disciples. Anybody that wants to follow him, he's talking to them right now. Do you ever remember the show, What Not to Wear? So it was a show, What Not to Wear. You can kind of figure out what it's about, right? So they get some buddy who doesn't dress very well, and they put him on TV, and they give him some money, and someone dresses him up good. And until this week, when I was studying this text, I had no idea why Mary Beth always wanted me to watch this show about 10 years ago. <laughs> this morning, it all came. The, the light in me was dark, but now I got it. So this morning, I get up early, and I'm getting dressed. I hear Mary Beth up, so I go up and I say, love you, honey. I'm going to head out. Um, how does this look? She says, great shirt, wrong season. I'm like, it's kind of wintry, Joe. I'm like, yeah, but it's clean. <laughs> and it was like the first one I saw and hadn't worn it for a while. You know, what season is it anyway, honey? Right? Well, not to wear. And so this is really what Jesus is doing. This is, this is actually what not to be. What we're going to go into, here's the exact... This, if you're this way, you're going to drain souls rather than win souls. And, and apostles, I want you to know this. And so he gets going. And, and the Lord said to him, so this is after... The, we're not even into the woes yet. We're just into his response to why he didn't wash up. Now you Pharisees cleanse the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. There's a great starter to a conversation over dinner. You know, one you might want to try and then just let me know how that goes. Wow. Did he do this because he's just ticked off at these people? No. Jesus loves every human being so much that he's willing to tell them the truth about stuff that's just going to constantly trip them up. And on top of this, the very people that should be drawing people to God are actually pushing people away. Has that ever happened in the church? Do we hear that in our culture? They're just a bunch of fill in the word. Hippah. It starts with an H and it ends with hypocrites. That's it. You know, it's, I know it's like Greek or something, but hypocrites, right? Do we hear this? Yes. They don't even love one another. Well, maybe the light in us sometimes does get a little dark, huh? Yeah, it does. Verse 40, <laughs> he goes on. And he hasn't even got to the woes yet. So his next sentence starts with, you fools. <laughs> Let's just laugh. It's just, you know, it is. I mean, it's not funny when he's actually looking us in the eye and say, Joe, you're looking, you're pretty foolish. Yeah. But let's just laugh because he's doing it to these guys right now, all right? <laughs> you fools, did not he who made the outside make the inside also? Yes. But give alms, but give as alms those things that are within. Interesting statement. And behold, everything is clean for you. You see, because what's happening is the light in y'all has become completely dark. You, 
you want to act like, you want to look like you really, really care and that you're really, really generous. But it's not true. The light that should be in you has become dark. And you should know better. You fools. It's a statement of like, you all know exactly what to do. That, that's kind of the, the implication of the phrase, you fools. How can you not get this? You have the entire Old Testament memorized. You teach the law. You're the ones that know everything. But the light in you has become dark. Give alms. Give as alms those things that are within. What, what does that even mean? It means very little if you give just for show. If you just want to look like you're like really concerned about poor people, but in your gut you could care less, that's what Jesus is talking about here. Oh, I see now. The light in me can sometimes be kind of dark. Hey, you know, next time someone says, hey, what, what's like, What's like your top three things you ever want to have happen in your life? One of them, I would love to have Jesus come over for dinner. <laughs> that we're, we're not doing that anymore, right? Like, oh, I'll go watch him have dinner with somebody else, right? <clears throat> so now we're finally to the first woe. Now he's actually going to get warmed up. He's warmed up. But now he starts his first woe. Woe number one. But woe to you Pharisees. For you tithe mint and rue every herb and neglect, listen to this, justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. Soul drainers act generous, generous but are full of greed. Jesus does not want his disciples to be soul drainers, in case you kind of were wondering. He wants you and he wants me. He, want, he wanted those 12 people following him and all the other men and women following him. He wanted them to become generous from their gut, inside and outside, managing well their thoughts about people that they might not like or they might want to at some point in time say, wait, look, she, she did that. She needs to sleep in her own bed. Whoa. If, if, if they were smarter, they wouldn't be in such trouble. That's justice. But it has nothing to do with the love of God, does it? Or, you know, God really doesn't have any truth. It's kind of, you know, everybody kind of gets to figure out what they want to do. Because really God is a God of love, right? Do you see the brilliance of Jesus Christ in this setting? Unless justice, the justice of God and the love of God are married in your reality, in your gut, your light has become dark. If you're all about justice in the area that you want justice, without the love of God, the light in you has become dark, as right as you might be about the justice issue. Can I have an amen? amen. No, you don't want to say amen to that, do you? This is, this is, the, this is the, 
the thickness in the room at this dinner. Listen, you guys should know this, Jesus says. I mean, you're all about tithing the herbs. That's okay. Nothing wrong with that. But you miss this. You miss the weight of things. Unless you learn how to follow after me and marry justice and the love of God in your inner being, on the inside, and let your motivation be completely educated by the love and the justice of God, the light in you will become dark. Because if you're just all about justice, then it's, I will love the people that I agree with. I will, I will, I will love the people that aren't acting in this unjust way over here. And Jesus like, turns this on his ear in the Sermon on the Mount. Look, unless you love your enemies, <laughs> you're, you're not my disciple. Unless you love those who persecute you and pray for them, you're not following me. The light is slowly becoming darkness in your soul. And so I think, I think just a wonderful thing, if you're looking for handles in terms of what does it really mean to walk with God, it means to walk full of grace and full of truth all at the same time. Full of the justice of God and full of the love of God all at the same time. And this is humanly impossible apart from the work of the Holy Spirit that you allow to fill you and continue to instruct you moment by moment and day by day because I guarantee you there are designs to trip you up in this area. The second, well, woe to you Pharisees, for you love the best seat in the synagogue and greetings in the marketplaces. How do you do when maybe you've been passed up for a promotion or maybe you've lost a job and somebody else has been given your job or... You know, this doesn't happen in local churches, so I won't use an example on a staff because the staff is like perfect human beings, right? <laughs> I mean, on the staff, look, I'm 63 years old. I've walked with Jesus for 45 years. I've been a pastor for almost 36 years, and I still have a lust in my soul to be recognized and to be seen and to be admired. It's lust. You know, and so maybe I have an idea, but then somebody else, you know, talks about the idea and then they, they start leading in the idea and pretty soon it's their idea. And I'm like, right? This is this lust, y'all. And Jesus says, uh-uh. You start down that path, the light in you begins to become dark. Does this make sense to anybody? Yes. And that drains the souls of the people that God wants you to have an impact on. Soul drainers act like they're all that, but are filled with boastful lust. Woe number three, woe to you, for you are like unmarked graves, and people walk over them without knowing it. What is he saying here? You all not only have touched, you, you not only touch things all day long that make you ceremonially unclean, you are actually entirely ceremonially unclean yourself. You, when you're with yourself, you are constantly touching a dead body. You're constant. You're dead. 
You act like you're alive, but you're dead. Uh, Pass the mashed potatoes, I don't think so in this meal, right? Nobody has taken a bite. People have barely taken a breath. Would you agree? It's intense. And isn't discipleship for you intense? Isn't the process of you becoming conformed to the image of Jesus Christ a radical thing that's oftentimes violent to your flesh and to your ego? Right? Why are we surprised that sometimes the light in us might become dark? It's happening probably all the time for most of us every day. Who should I have over for dinner if I'm not going to have Jesus, right? (laughs) They act like they're alive, but they're dead. Verse 44, there's a transition here, but it doesn't get any better. One of the lawyers answered him, one of the experts in the law. This is a person who knew what every part of those first 39 verses taught. Expert, PhD in the law. An expert in the law answered him, teacher, in saying these things, you insult us also. And Jesus is saying, really? I am so sorry that I've hurt your feelings on this. I, maybe I should rethink what I should say. This is scary for you and me. Because the the people now that he's going to address are experts in the word of God. And there's one thing that the evangelical church in the world is known for is we're people of the word. We work diligently at understanding it, don't we? We care deeply that we understand it rightly. Scary, isn't it? Here, these experts in the law are going to be confronted. And so Jesus, I appreciate what Jesus says here. You know, verse 46 says, and it it, it has the fourth woe. And he said, woe to you, lawyers. And then he uses the the word also. Am I actually, I'm talking to everybody in the room talking to the people standing in the room around this table where we're reclined and, and having a meal, talking to the disciples here that are trying to figure out how to follow me. No, I'm talking to you, you guys also. For you load people with burdens hard to bear, and you yourselves do not touch the burdens with one of your fingers. You're okay with loading on people what they should do and who they should be as followers of God. But you never, ever, ever think about helping them. All you want to do is lord it over people. You just want to tell people what to do. You have no intention of doing it. (coughs) Soul drainers act like they're concerned but are actually harsh task masters. This might apply to some of you, um, maybe that work with a vulnerable adult, or maybe work with kids, maybe parenting. 
the way that the Lord has made the human brain is that we learn way more by our memory mirror neurons than we do by what someone says. It's just a fact of neurology. And so the best thing you can do for someone that you're wanting to have an impact for is actually not only know what God's word says, but actually do it yourself. And experts in the law, you do the opposite. Instead of being obedient to God and what his word says, you actually guilt other people out when they don't do it. Remember, he's making us catchers of men here, right? And we, we know this. We know that if we do not walk the talk, what we say actually about us acting like we walk is worse. Do you see that? If I talk like I'm doing it, but everybody around me knows I'm not doing it, that's worse. It'd be better not even to admit that you're, you're doing it. <laughs> you know, actually, honey, I'm really struggling with being obedient to God in this area. And I want, I want, I want you to know that your daddy's struggling with that right now. And I know that I need to need some help from God to, to get this, this, out, this out, but um, just know that. That's how you win a soul, y'all. You don't win a soul by guilting them into some behavior that you think they need to have. Doesn't mean that there, don't hear me say that there's not morality. There, there's absolutely morality. There is a wrong and a right. Don't hear me say that. But I want my kids and my grandkids to look at their grandpa and understand that he not only knows what God's word says, he's actually living it out in real time and in real space. But you experts in the laws aren't doing this. Woe number five. Beginning in verse 47, woe to you, you for, for you build the tombs of the prophets whom your fathers killed. So you are witnesses and you consent to the deeds of your fathers for they killed them and you build their tombs. Therefore also wisdom, the wisdom of God said, I will send them prophets and apostles, some whom they will kill and persecute. That this is a phrase that is a very unique phrase. Only time that Jesus ever uses this phraseology, the wisdom of God says, Jesus is actually having a word of prophecy that the same people listening to me right now, Jesus says, you will kill and persecute the prophets that are coming, my prophets and my apostles. I wonder, was Paul in that audience? I wonder what Pharisee was in that audience who also stood and watched Stephen be martyred. Holding, Paul was holding the coats of the people that were stoning Stephen because of his faith in Christ. This is a prophecy about actually what happened. He says it right here to these experts in the law, and he goes on, so that the blood of all the prophets, not just the ones that, are gonna, that you're going to uh, persecute and kill, 
Um, but, but all of the prophets shed from the foundation of the world. And then he includes an interesting thing. May be charged against this generation from the blood of Abel. Even Abel, he's the first murdered human being. Murdered by his brother Cain. The first kids of Adam and Eve had one of them as a murderer. It's in our blood. I don't murder anybody. Do you hate people? Jesus has a standard for you in Matthew chapter 5. He says, even those of you who hate people have already murdered them in your heart. Wow. He does not want the light in you to, to be dark. <clears throat> so soul drainers act like them and their ancestors are innocent, but actually they're murderers. Uh, this, this gets kind of close to home, especially when we apply the Sermon on the Mount in, in Matthew 5 to this. Do you hate people? The answer to that question is yes, if, in case you're wondering, oh, well, I don't, well, well, what's, what's the answer to that question? It is. It's in your DNA. It's in your sin nature. It's in the sickness of your heart. And so there are people that you do not like, that Jesus Christ put together in their mom, mom's womb, gave them life, ordained their days, and loves them like crazy. Yeah, but they're so stupid and they stand for such idiotic things and frankly, I hate them. Well, if you're gonna, you're either gonna be a, a soul drainer in your life or you're gonna be a life-giving soul. So you need to do, and boy, do we need to work on this right now in America? Generally, let's get personal. In our own homes sometimes. Across, in this room. Yeah. Do you hear that silence? That's exactly what was going on at that meal. Because everyone around that table and everyone standing, they were like, It is so easy for the light that I think have in me just become dark. And I don't even know it. And I feel so justified. And I have rationalized, I've rationalized it to the point where I'm deceiving myself about it, right? I mean, this could happen. This does happen. This is happening. And Jesus says, come on, follow me here. Follow me up and out of that. Do we need help with this in this area? <laughs> we really do. Do you think that the church should be the one that actually stands as light in this world? And that learns how to marry justice and the love of God together and figure that almost impossible thing to do out? Yes. Jesus intends to have people follow him that are soul winners, able to catch the most complex to catch people. Not by your power or your wisdom, not by your prowess or your charisma, but by the Spirit of God who dwells within you, who's wanting to fill you with his light, who's wanting to displace that darkness that so easily comes in and takes over. The sixth woe. 
Woe to you, experts in the law, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. This is heavy. You've taken away the key of knowledge. You do not enter yourselves, and you hinder those who are trying to enter. If anyone causes one of these little ones to stumble, it would be better for them to have a millstone tied around their neck, right? This is, this is kind of the point here. Don't cause somebody else to stumble because the light in you has become dark. Soul drainers act like they are agents of God, but actually they're roadblocks. They actually turn people away from God. So we're going to land here with the first three verses of the next chapter. So now dinner is over, okay? He went from there. The scribes continued to say, we got to get this dude. We got to take him out. He's ruining our church. It's a synagogue, Joe. I really do know that it's a synagogue, okay? We got to get him out of here. I think it's okay if we would make him a concept. Let's just make sure he's not real. Can that happen to you? Can God just become a concept? You can can put him on a shelf or take him off. You decide. Or are you all in? So fill me with light, God. God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and practice lies, we, we, we deceive ourselves. The truth isn't in us. Darkness is in us. This can happen to you and me. Verse 1, chapter 12. In the meantime, when so many thousands of people had gathered together that they were trampling one another, he began to say to his disciples first, you see, so now he's going to debrief. And they needed some debriefing. Would you say after that meal? I mean, they're wide-eyed, their mouths are open, they're like, you are going to get yourself killed, Jesus. He says, that is really the point. I'm willing to die so that the human race can have hope and actually have light dwell within them and be the real deal and not just someone that dresses up and plays like a God-fearer, but someone that actually does reverence me from their gut. So he's going to debrief them. said to the disciples first, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. They act like they're generous, but they're full of greed and wickedness and on down then into the woes. And they're there for you and for me. If you want to be someone that doesn't drain souls, but actually gives souls life, there's a whole other way. We'll get, I'm going to conclude with that in a minute. But verse 2, nothing is covered up that will not be revealed. Whew, this, is, this is heavy here. Or hidden that will not be known. 
Look, you can act like you're all that as a Christian. You can act like you have the whole Bible all figured out and, you know, you are just marching with me step by step. But time will tell. Everything's going to be exposed. It's a great warning, isn't it? It's like today, Lord, help me see those areas that I've become blinded to, that the light in me has actually become dark. Help me see that, God. I want to, I want to confess that. I want to repent of that. I want your spirit to come and fill me up. Help me because I really do want my little grandson Cash and Cade to come to know Jesus. I don't want to be a stumbling block to my kids or my grandkids or my neighbors. Verse 3, therefore, whatever you have said in the dark shall be heard in the light. Just know that. And what you have whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed in the housetops. So if you want to be a soul drainer, you're going to be greedy, boastful, dead. You'll be a burden to people. You'll be a murderer. You'll be a roadblock. But if you want to be a soul winner, you'll be generous and secure. Be a breath of fresh air to the people see you, right? Don't you love it when people are just comfortable in their own skin? They don't have to put on airs and try to make you think that you're something that you're not. Anybody with me on this? Is that like a breath of fresh air? This is, this is what Jesus is getting at. Let's be real and honest. Let's walk in the light. And if you have some problems in your life, some sins in your life, God will provide some safe people for you to confess those sins because I guarantee you once you confess that sin, they have another 10 to come right back at you of their own. Everyone in the room is this way, y'all. But we think we're the only ones. We're not. We're secure, right? Jesus makes us secure. I mean, he's loved us with this incredible love. Even when we didn't deserve it, never deserve it, he continues to flood us with the steadfast love of the Lord that endures forever. 16 times it's repeated in that psalm. The steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. You can be secure. I'm smiling at you because of the blood of Christ. Yes, do you have problems? Yes, sometimes does the light in you become dark? Yes. Let's get over yourself and understand you're a sinner, but I have come to change your life. Why do we always have to get all dressed up and play Christianity? Let's just be real. Even with our non-believing friends, like, man, I blew it. I shouldn't have said that to you. I copped a horrible attitude. You know, from your gut all the time. Soul winners are alive. They're liberators. They're life givers. I, I, there is a few families in our church in Hastings, and there's families here in this church too, but there's a few families in our church in Hastings when my kids were young. When we would go to their house, <laughs> we'd come back home, it wouldn't be long, a few days go by, and one of the kids would say, when can we go back? Those people are crazy. <laughs> They're fun, they laugh. And they love Jesus. 
Oh, no. Life-giving. That's what I hang with them. And they're doors. Not Roblox, they're doors. They're filled with the hope of God for the human race and for individuals in it. No matter where you're at, there is hope for you in Jesus Christ. Daniel, let's come up and sing hallelujah. Where are you at? I know, it's kind of late that he went on home. I'll just lead a cappella. <laughs> no, I love you too much to do that. More than I love the Lord too much uh, to put you through that. Let's pray. Lord, we're, we're just grateful that your word is what it says. Is it? it's, it's like this hammer, right? Works on us. Thank you, Lord. It's living, it's active. It's like that scapel, like we prayed earlier. It, it really undoes us, Lord, and it, we just, we're like, oh, Lord, help us. We need you. Apart from you, we cannot do this. Apart from you, the light in us ends up being dark every time. And so, Lord, come and um, just be our Savior. That's who you are. Be our Lord. That's who you are. And so today, Lord, would you work in each one of our hearts at that point of application, that point of growth where your spirit has us. I pray that we would be a group of people that would be saying yes to you. Lord, fill this worship time now with your spirit and with hope and with anticipation of what you're going to do. We love you so much in the name of Christ. Amen. Let's stand. Let's worship.